So for this episode, we're going to be recapping the crazy UFC Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley fight card. I wasn't surprised with a lot of the victories um, because on the main card, at least, because it seemed as if a lot of guys were coming in really hot and other guys not so much. So I wasn't surprised to see finally my predictions like finally succeed. I literally went basically five and five if it wasn't for Nico Price's eye pokes. But I'll just go through really quickly who won and then I'll go into each fight a little bit more in depth. So Tyson Nam with a TKO, Andre Yule via split decision, and then Randy Costa with an absolute devastator head kick. Um, Derek Minner uh, got TJ Laramie with a um, guillotine. Jessica Rose Clark, that was a crazy fight. I can't wait to talk about that one. Um, Myra Buena Silva with a arm bar. Uh, Damon Jackson, absolutely savage, dude. Like, he was basically kind of getting destroyed and then just kept getting submission attempt after submission attempt and eventually got hit, got it done. And then David Dvorak, I don't even, like, he is something else. He is crazy good. Kevin Holland won. Mackenzie Dern won. Johnny Walker won. Hamza Chamayev won. Donald Cerrone and Nico Price, they split. I mean, they had a draw. And then Kobe Covington. So basically, Tyson Nam, he, his last fight against um, Zarouk, I forget his last name. Absolutely. Tyson Nam ended Zarouk with the overhand right. Tyson Nam basically did the same thing here against poor Jerome Rivera um, in the second round. I didn't get to watch much of this fight because I wasn't home at the time, but then I turned on as soon as I got home. And I watched all of the uh, Andre Yule versus Irwin Rivera fight. Andre Yule basically, he took a split decision, but I didn't think it was that close. Erwin Rivera, the only reason why it was super close is because he was kind of, he just tried to stay in the fight as much as possible, was hitting Andre with big shots, but Andre was able to kind of keep distance and utilize his length. And and he utilized his length and he also, his really slick boxing and his volume basically gave him the dub, even though both of these guys are absolutely, they're awesome. And then even Andre Yule had a, his good, he had a good last one against Jonathan Martinez and Jonathan Martinez is an awesome striker, but he was super young. So look out for Andre Yule and Tyson Nam. They are really good. And then Randy Costa, I've never seen him fight before. He was up against Journey Newsome and he kind of just, I, I, he kind of like, I think it was a jab. And it kind of it, it he managed to drop Journey Newsom's hands, and then he followed it up with a left head kick, and it just not slept him because he had to follow up with punches. But he dropped Journey Newsom, and I had Journey Newsom winning this fight. But Randy Costa, he is awesome. He's young. And then as for the Derek Minner versus TJ Laramie fight, um, they were kind of up against the cage, and it, I think this was early. I think that yeah, this was the first round. Uh, TJ Laramie had um, Derek Minner up against the cage and then Derek Minner kind of not pulled the guard, but he just pulled a new guillotine, got him in that, managed to submit TJ Laramie. Jessica, Ro- Jessica Rose Clark versus Sarah Alpar. This fight should have been stopped earlier, but again, I think it was Steve Tyone, the referee. He there was It was a really odd thing where Sarah Alpar she had barely had her butt above the ground and she was up against the cage and Jessica Rose Clark 
kneed her in the face and it was almost supposed to be it was almost illegal but since her butt was just above the the canvas it was a le- it was a legal shot but either way steve or tyone should have called the fight because alpar was when you get knee to the face especially after taking a beating and this is in the third round like you need to call the fight you know what i mean but he ended up not calling it but so when he separated them uh and then they figured everything out. It was a weird situation. Then he called him to st- start fighting because he never waived it. And then just um, Alpar took unnecessary damage, and it was not good to see. She got busted up, broken nose. You don't want to see that, especially when a fight it gets not even close anymore. You know what I mean? And you're just taking unnecessary damage, and it's you don't want to see that. Um, and then Myra Bueno Silva, she sunk. She got an armbar. And then Damon Jackson, good story. He was in the UFC. And then he was fought, and then he fought, and then I think he left, or his they just didn't want to re-sign him. And then he was fighting in a different prom- promotion. And then uh, he finally got his chance again against Mercer Bektik, and that fight was wild because Mercer uh, Bektik is an absolute beast. Outstriking, Damon had no answer for him on the feet, and he, um, Bektik was also taking him down. But the, Damon Jackson's really um, savvy on the ground, and all he and he, what he was doing was just trying to get submission attempt after submission attempt, and eventually he got it. I think it was he got a he had se- yeah he had seven total attempts, and I think in the, th- the third round he sunk in a guillotine and managed to get Mursad out there. But I wanted to em- emphasize that Bektik is a beast and I don't think a lot of people are going to want to fight him. And then David Dvorak, the flyweight division is a little bit odd, but David Dvorak is definitely going to be a problem there. Jordan Espinosa really had no, he landed a few good shots, but Dvorak was just eating up his lead, lead leg. And it wasn't, it was just kind of one of those fights again, like I said, that you really appreciate like, not being in there with David Dvorak because those those leg kicks they were pretty heavy um even yeah and he David Dvorak managed to win every single round it was 30 27 uh unanimous decision but as for the prelims really good it's always fun to watch those because those are going to be your future stars one day and then but nothing can really compare to the main card the main card Kevin Holland uh Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart that was that was a really good fight at times it was a firefight because they were just throwing back and forth but I, I personally Kevin Holland wasn't happy with the decision because he kind of didn't finish as strong as he wanted to but again then again it's a three-round fight and the circumstances aren't really in everybody's favor all the time with COVID but I guess there's been tons of events and that's really no excuse anymore but Kevin Holland he took a split decision. Didn't he? Literally said he wants to run it back, and he thought he lost the fight. But the the numbers show it. Kevin Holland, he definitely outstruck Darren Stewart. Darren Stewart's a beast. He managed to um, land some ground and pound and land a takedown later in the third round. I think that's what got into Kevin Holland's head. But Kevin Holland stunned and wobbled um, Darren Stewart multiple times. Didn't get the knockout like I thought he like I thought he would. Um, Really good fight to start off the main card. And then Mackenzie Dern was, Brandon Marcos was no match for Mackenzie Dern because Mackenzie Dern's jujitsu and ground game is unbelievable. She missed a leg kick and so she fell down and Ronda Marcos accepted it. And um, 
she went down, she decided to start grappling with Mackenzie Dern. I don't know why you would want to do that. And all of a sudden, Mackenzie Dern started looking for submissions, started looking for triangles. Um, and eventually, after a while, she, Miranda Marcos, found herself in an armbar. Pretty wicked one, too. Like, she, it was, there was multiple attempts that Mackenzie Dern tried to get her in an armbar and was cranking on that arm, but eventually sunk it in there for sure. And Ronda Marcos, I think she should probably feel, maybe retire. She's getting up there in age. And Mackenzie Dern, that's just a really tough fight for anybody right now, especially on the ground. With Mackenzie Dern, she's a beast. And then Johnny Walker versus Ryan Superman Span, like I said, this was probably going to be the fight of the night. It didn't get fight of the night because it ended so quickly. Ryan Span, big, strong guy. Johnny Walker, big, athletic, strong guy. Um, Ryan Spann actually managed to hurt Johnny Walker severely in the first round. But Johnny Walker, like I was expecting, well, I don't know if I was expecting, but I was thinking he's had all this time to improve his ground game, and he definitely did. He was hurt, um, was rocked, managed to recover a little bit on the ground and found his way back to his feet, which was really impressive against a big, strong guy like Ryan Spann. And Ryan Spann... um, I, yeah, Johnny Walker got to his feet. Ryan Spann, Johnny Walker, they ended up hitting each other simultaneously again, and both of them were hurt. But then Ryan Spann saw that Johnny was a little bit wobbled, so he shot in, but Ryan Spann was more hurt than Johnny was, and they were p- pinned up against the fence, and Johnny Walker just started raining elbows and punches. And it was just like, I couldn't even Im- I couldn't even imagine what those felt like, especially to the side of the head, and that eventually got Ryan Spann out of there. Um, both of those guys are really good, but Johnny Walker, he's staying in contention, which is awesome to see, especially such a big, long guy. Cause if you want to succeed at the light heavyweight division, you have to have certain, you have to be a certain kind of body type because you get, you see these guys, I'm sure. I mean, like, obviously you have uh, like anomalies like Daniel Cormier where they're really, where they're not the biggest guy, but they have really good wrestling or something, but they, he was never really truly, he was the champion, but John Jones always the champion because he's so long um, and so athletic. And that's what you have to have in order to be a dominant light heavyweight. And that's what Johnny Walker has. So if he continues to improve, there's no reason why he couldn't fight for the title um, soon, but he definitely has to string a few wins together against good guys. But Ryan Spann is certainly a start. And then as for Hobbs at Chemayev, I don't know what more to say about how good this guy is. I want to talk about him because I honestly think that he has the makings to be one of the best, uh, not only welterweights, but middleweights ever because his body type, his power, his grappling, his striking, he literally trains with Alexander Gustafson and apparently has done really well against him. And that's Alexander's main training partner. Um, Hamza Chemaev, I thought it was going to be a long day for Gerald Murchard, but he just won. Like, I knew, like, when I saw him shadow boxing, preparing for the fight, he was training in, like, a parking lot. He He's a beast everywhere. I don't know how people are going to stop him. I really don't see anybody in the top five, like, welterweight rankings stopping this guy. I don't see anybody in the middleweight division stopping this guy. Like, truthfully, if he wants to take you to the ground, he's going to take you to the ground if he wants to, and if he wants to strike with you, he's going to strike with you. And he has one-punch knockout power, and he displayed that against Gerald Mershart. And Gerald Mershart's no joke. Like, he's an he's a beast. He's, like, 31 and 13 or something. But Hamza got him out of there quickly. 
and I really think he's going to be one of the best guys ever. I don't see anybody beating him unless there's more guys like him that I just don't know about. Um, and then as for the Nico Price versus Donald Cerrone fight, that fight was absolutely crazy because Nico Price came out hot, but Cowboy, Cowboy managed to man, uh, weather the storm. And then a few eye pokes kind of ruined it for Nico. Nico outstruck him. Like, I forget how many. Nico significantly significantly outstruck Cowboy, but they, it was a draw because he got pointed for two eye pokes. And I hate eye pokes because Donald's already been kind of, he, I don't know. I just feel like he always gets kind of screwed in fights sometimes, but he never complains. And that's what everybody loves about him. But Nico and him probably are going to fight again. Um, but I'm really happy to see Cowboy. He did really well. I thought it was going to be a quick outing, but he managed to tough it out. And then as for the Colby Covington fight, Colby Covington did what he wanted to do to Tyron Willie. He took him down, ground and, t- ground and pound, leg kicks, body shot. Like he worked the body. He, he did everything. Like, I don't know. He, he had a more impressive performance, in my opinion, than what Gilbert Burns did to uh, Tyron Woodley. But because no one, I mean, obviously, because Tyron Woodley, he broke his rib during the fight. And I think that it might have been injured before, but Colby Covington, the like the pressure he puts on guys, and the way he just never gets tired, it's going to be an issue. I would love to see Hamzat versus Colby Covington eventually or something like that one day. That'd be crazy. But Colby Covington, he's a problem. Probably he's so cringy sometimes though, and I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. He's something else, but. Hate him or love him, you got to respect everything about his fight game. He is a stud. He's so tough. And he, I think what kind of was a little bit weird about this fight was because Kobe wasn't as aggressive because he was scared. I don't think he was scared. He was just really conscientious of Tyron Woodley's like one-punch knockout power. And so he was a little bit hesitant at times to just stand up with him. But he, when he managed to close the distance and take Tyron down, it was over. He started landing big elbows and Tyron just tried to pull a guillotine on him. And then I think that was the, that was when Tyron eventually broke his rib. But dude, these fights were crazy. And if I've had, if I had to give performance of the night, obviously I would give it to Hamza Chamayev because the hype doesn't bother him. I don't think the fame is going to bother him. But yeah. This is another reason why I think he's going to be a champion is because he's so level headed and like even keel to the point where it doesn't even matter how famous he gets. He's just going to always go out there and perform. He doesn't care who his opponent is. He's just in there, smash somebody, get money. And I just really think that he's going to be one of the best ever. I've never seen anything like it. I don't like, it's so rare to see somebody this good. Just hop in DFC. You're like, where has this guy been? But he's been honing in his skills apparently. And he was ready um, when the time came and I just think he is going to kill some top flight talent in the near future. But yeah, I can't wait for his fight with Damian Maya. And I think that kind of wraps up the UFC fights um, for last sa- or this last Saturday. And then Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa is going to come up, do some predictions for that. But I'm definitely pumped to see who's going to be the new, uh, light heavyweight champion because the guy we interviewed, Hiri Prajka, is 
um, he's up there in the rankings and he'll probably get a title shot in the near future, which is pretty sick. Um, but yeah, the, like the fights were absolutely incredible. I enjoyed watching every single one of them at times. They were, it, it, it kind of stinks though, because like Hamza, that you want to, cause like a guy like that, you're really excited for and for it to be done like that, like in the blink of an eye, it's kind of disappointing, but you have to respect it. I, I, I just had a, I had a really good time watching these fights. It was sick. Um, but yeah, do you have anything you want to add, Jonah? No, that was a pretty good recap. Thank you. So that, that wraps up the UFC. I really wanted to talk about it at the end. Um, Anthony Davis's game winner. I only managed to watch like the end of it, the end of the Nuggets game. I thought the Nuggets, they, I watched some highlights and they did really, I think they did pretty well. And especially in the second game, because we didn't, we haven't really seen that. I feel like, um, besides like the first game of the series when you play the Lakers, no one's really showed out in like any game bes- besides the first one. I feel like they've all kind of been blowouts, right? Not blowouts, but the Lakers have seemed dominant in every other game except game one. Yep, they've gone nine and zero in all non-game ones. But the thing that I guess struck me about this game was what a great finish it was to quite a terribly played game. Uh, you saw both of the teams have turnover rates of over 20%. I think it was 22% yeah. for the Nuggets, 24% for the Lakers, especially in the fourth quarter. I thought the process was very bad for the Lakers offense. They were stuck in mud for a lot of that time when really it seemed like they had been getting favorable matchups all night, especially once they got um, Howard out of there and, there was Jokic on 80. Jokic is good. Yeah. Um, but on defense, Anthony Davis actually had seven possessions when he was matched up with Jokic in isolation, and he was able to score on six of those seven possessions. Yeah. So I wish the uh, Lakers had maybe fed AD even more in the post, even though it was mm-hmm. a very productive offensive night as it was for the, um, for the brow. But on the other side, the Nuggets offense, it looked all right. The stat that really struck me after this was over, I think Kevin Pelton posted this on his Twitter account, is um, Jamal Murray didn't have an amazing offensive night. I think he was like 8 of 19 and then 2 of 9 from 3, I think something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But he played 44 minutes and he was plus 14 and the Nuggets lost by two, meaning they got outscored by 18 points in the four minutes, which where Jamal Murray was off the floor, which is just an astounding margin. And I think partially that's just luck, like just the mere fact that the Lakers were able to score 18 points in four minutes is amazing. And there had to be some shooting luck involved in that. Like, obviously, Jamal Murray being on the bench isn't causing these shots to go in for the Lakers. But I also think it speaks to um, the impact Will Barton has on this Nuggets team, how they really don't have um, a great initiator from the perimeter. Obviously, Jokic can take on a huge portion of the responsibility on offense. But nobody else in the Nugget backcourt really comes close to matching the level of production that Jamal Murray has as sort of that secondary dynamic on-ball creator. Like, I don't think 
Monte Morris really fills that role at all. And so that stat really stuck out to me. And then, yeah, towards the end of the game, like I was saying, the Lakers offense really was in mud. They got a nice Danny Green three, but most of the other baskets they scored in the final three minutes, obviously, you had the Jokic or um, the Anthony Davis buzzer beater, and then you had Anthony Davis taking a step back three over Jokic, and then you had KCP hurling a shot in from the corner, which was just a ridiculous make. So I thought partially it was good defense by the Nuggets. I thought it was a very good showing for some of the guys like Paul Millsap, I thought had a great game, especially when they put him on Anthony Davis. And then partially I wish the Lakers had kind of kept their foot on the gas. And sometimes I think these NBA teams play like what I call prevent offense, where they kind of go away from their normal sets and focus more on running the clock down. Um, And I think that's what happened to the Lakers offense and they got stuck in the mud, but ultimately won. Yeah, I was just, I just wasn't expecting the, I was, I was really expecting the Lakers to kind of have their way with them in game two, because that's just how it's been, but it's, it's sweet. Like that gives me hope, even though they lost like the Lakers, literally if AD doesn't drain that shot there, it's tied one, one right now. Yeah. But yeah. And then the Celtics, they got a dub. That's cool. Yeah, I thought coming back made a big difference for him. Who? Gordon Hayward. Um, oh, yeah, Gordon Hayward's back? Yeah. Oh, sick, dude. I, I completely like space that he was even on their team for a second. Yeah, and he, he didn't have his most amazing game mm-hmm. um, the other night, but just having another competent player they can bring off their bench and sort of take away Simi Ojale's minutes and reduce Brad Wallmaker's mm-hmm. role. Yeah, is a big step up in quality for Boston. Mm-hmm, for sure. So now, is there anything else NBA? There's nothing much. The games are pretty much. It's just yeah, not two, really. No game, no game tonight. We should do another NBA show once we no. know the finals matchup. But oh, oh yeah, for nothing sure. really pressing at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So, do you want to? Did you? Did you pay? Did you t- like write anything down for like the franchises and stuff? Yeah, I had. Um, All right. I have one idea just okay, off the top of my head. Yeah. So basically what we were thinking we, we were going to do is like talk about some of the, like any, any, any franchise that needs sort of a makeover or kind of something more refreshing. Cause a lot of times as well, not now, I mean, more teams are definitely kind of hopping on the train of appealing to younger audiences and trying to make things more like brighter and exciting, but some franchises aren't so much. They're more classic. So we just wanted to, I just was curious to see what Jonah would come up with as for what franchise needs kind of a makeover. Yeah. So there were two teams in the NBA this year that I kind of thought had terrible uniforms Mm -hmm. and one of them corrected it. And that's the Atlanta Hawks. Finally. Oh yeah. The ugly neon green trim Mm -hmm. on their uniforms. Yeah. But they're looking a lot better. Kind of went back to the classic red and yellow color scheme mm-hmm. and then the other team that's needed i thought a uniform update for the past decade is the dallas mavericks and i know there's yeah some sentimental value to the uniforms because they won the championship with dirk while wearing those mm-hmm. but i don't know I, i'd like to see him go back to the old school blue and green blue and green that they wore in like the 80s and 90s oh yeah those are cool those are the throwback ones right yeah i've only seen those 
on a few games. That's cool. But yeah, do you have any? Wait, what was the other one? It was the uh, oh, it, it was the be, Hawks and the Mavs. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have any other? Do you have any NFL ones? Any NFL ones? Yeah. Um, I don't like the Broncos uniforms. Really? Yeah. I yeah. really, I really hated the Patriots uniforms and the Falcons uniforms, but they both got updates this year. I like the Patriots uniforms now. Yeah, now they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty um, sick. What would you if you want rank rank your top five NBA uniforms? Uniforms, ooh, that's tough off the top of my head. Obviously, the Blazers have got to be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raptors, I think the Raptors have cool uniforms. Now, I think the Hawks' new uniforms are very nice. Um, yeah, those three stick out particularly. The Celtics have really nice kind of classic mm-hmm. uniforms, so I'd include them. And then for my last selection... The Grizzlies actually have cool colors, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. For N- for NFL, I kind of want to rank some of my top. So not any particular. I, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to go in order here. But it's so hard, though, because each one is so different. I'll name some of my my least favorite ones for sure. I don't like the Bengals uniforms. No. I'm not a big fan of the Broncos uniforms either, actually. I do this might be a surprise i like the jets uniforms a lot the jets uniforms are sick for some reason i'm just down with that green and i also like obviously the 49ers uniforms are cool but i would not be opposed to some kind of switch up in the near future because the i don't know i feel like an, a gold and like black colorway would be kind of sick or like white like they have an all white one but i feel like something that has more gold in it would be pretty cool um, another one that I really like, I, I hate the Rams. I've said that before. The Rams, yeah, uniforms the arena football uniforms. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is unpopular, but I, I like the Falcons uniforms, the ATL in the middle kind of looks sick. Do you like the Falcons uniforms? Uh, I've only seen the black ones. I, let me look at them again. Let me get a closer look. You can keep talking. I, okay. And then I also, I dig the Patriots. Patriots uniforms are sick. The Giants is okay. It's really boring though. For sure. I don't really like Tennessee's uniforms, the Titans. The Chiefs uniforms are stupid. I hate them. The Eagles are okay. The Packers are classic. They're sick. The Browns are cool, but they kind of need – I wish they had a new logo because the helmet's like – I wish – I don't know. The helmet's kind of dumb. Yeah, I don't like – I don't care for the Falcons' new uniforms. Really? No, especially that one where it's – Vikings are sick. I don't like the gradient one. You know, this one with the red and it kind of fades to black. I think the Falcons uniforms are sick, though. I think they're cool. I don't they're know why. Better, they're better than the old ones, for sure. Yeah. I really like um, the uh, the Ravens uniforms are sick. I really like the Ravens, too. Some some of the Bears ones, sick. I like the Detroit Lions. They're gray ones. They're kind of – some people think they're ugly, but they're kind of dope. Yeah, you the didn't. Card- oh wait, the Cardinals. You know how they have like those black ones. Yeah, I like those a lot. Like yeah, they've lot. had those ones for a long time. I feel like now. they have for sure. But oh, and then the Washington Redskins. Obviously, they need to change theirs. Yeah. Oh, but they have. I I like their colors and stuff though. If they just yeah, their colors are cool. 
but I'm really interested to see what they end up picking. I actually think the Redskins have a really cool uniform, so you just kind of need to replace the imagery and the words and stuff. But I 100%. Oh, the Chargers. The Chargers have really cool ones. Yeah, the Chargers have really nice ones. The Dolphins, eh. The Panthers, eh. Cowboys, eh. Oh, yeah, the Panthers need new uniforms badly. Those are another really bad one. Yeah. You've did, left out my two favorite NFL ones, which are the Chiefs and the Raiders. Huh? I love the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders. I hate the Chiefs. Funny. The Chiefs are trash. They're uniforms? Yeah. Why? Because it's just like, I don't know, they're bland, dude. I like. You like them? Yeah, I like them. I like the, I was going to say I like the, I don't know. I like how they have that sort of old school AFC patch on it. I think that looks sick. And then just I feel like red and yellow is a good good color scheme. I like how the numbers have like the yellow outline on them. They kind of pop. Yeah. And then I like how the jersey doesn't have stripes on it, but the pants do have stripes on it. I thought that was a mistake Atlanta made with their uniforms. I think when you have the stripe going down the side of the jersey and the side of the pants. It just looks a little too, like, costume-ish, you know? Uh, so you see, I kind of like that. I don't know. I think that they look sick. I just am a big fan of the numbers, but if I had to rank them, I'd probably go... I really like the Raiders uniforms, and I really like the Chargers. I, I dig the Jets, especially their black ones. And then for my last one... I'd have to go probably hmm it's so hard I don't like the Bucks do you like the Bucks unis oh the Ravens the Ravens uniforms are really cool I like those a lot I hated the Bucks old uniforms but I actually kind of like the new ones the Bucks yeah yeah they're the old ones where like the numbers were like digital alarm clocks that was awful what? Look at their old. You ones. can sneeze. Not <laughs> to sneeze. I held it in there, but bro, um, that's savage. Look at the Buccaneers' old uniforms from last year. Buccaneers, old unis. We'll have it. We're gonna have a fun episode tomorrow. I came up with a bunch of stuff. Nice. Yeah. And then we're also gonna. You make- did good. <laughs> we all did good. We all went like twelve and four. <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep forgetting that. Um, oh wait, yeah, I know what you're talking about the Bucks uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, we're, are we going to have a long episode then with the picks and then probably yeah. Nice, that sounds good. It's been a while since we've had like a like a good two hour show. You know, yeah, for sure. Here, okay. Well, this we'll call it good. This was a good episode. We didn't really know what we were talking about. I just wanted to talk about the UFC. But yeah, oh, yeah just, this was a good one. Thanks. Yeah, for, we'll just cut it out at the beginning and then keep the NBA in. But yeah, for sure. All right. I'll let you I'll let you sneeze. All right. Now let me go take my allergy medicine. (laughs) All right. Bye.